late nighters. Thank you for joining Late Night with White. Ugh, it's been a while and I apologize. But it's been busy in a good way with um, school and full swing, kids, dog, all the things that attend life. But it has got me to thinking about self-care. And I don't mean this in a placard kind of way, um, as in live life, love, or uh, whatever other axioms are floating around that are really toxic positivity disguised as good advice, but real earnest self-care, which I think if we use the word self-love, is that more evident and that more necessary? Because the world is hard, right? 62% of us are burned out at work. We are feeling undervalued. Um, The values of the company for which we work may not be aligned to our own personal values. Um, Demoralizing tasks, uh, failure to give appropriate time off, and even jobs that give you great perks are missing the mark. I think Americans are having um, a reawakening about our work-life balance, and we're finding it um, a detriment. And so, with that being said, with work being a drag, and then there's COVID, there's um, just all the consequences of living through the pandemic, um the pressure to go back to a normal that doesn't really feel normal anymore. How do we find time for self-care? And I, like I said, mean real self-care, not just um, happy means and um, going through the paces, right? Lighting a candle, I'm sorry, that's not self-care. Um, you know, sing along with your favorite song that's momentary how can we make it a self-care that really evokes life and is really sustainable right because a lot of us will get into these trends of eating healthier exercising all the good things and they're really good things but they quickly become ate up by the pressures of uh of life right Um, Our gym memberships lapse, our eating habits go back to um, being fast and greasy and detrimental. Our love habits become, um, you know, second place in our lives. Uh, Our hectic, busy schedules become all-consuming. So that's what I've been thinking about. Like, what's a real measure of self-care? And I want to use the word self-love, which got me to thinking that in some ways, earnestly, we don't know how to love ourselves, right? 54% of my listeners are women, so and 27% are men, and uh, the rest are others who have um, other identities and fluidities, but... Women especially play a game of pouring out so much into our children, our 
our jobs, the people on our jobs, our friends, our churches, our scouts, that we often become haggard with a lack of love and reciprocity, right? People are asking, 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 and few are giving, giving, giving. So how do we get to the point where we can back out of our lives, right? Take a real step back and begin to demand something different, demand something more nutritive and more sustaining. And it's hard for a lot of us. I hear women talk about their lack of time, right? Lack of self resource. We're giving, 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 and we have so little. So the um, the rise in female alcoholism is not surprising to me because, you know, a lot of my cohorts or colleagues are out there um, swigging away the pain, right? Um, because it's cheap and it's easy and it's acceptable. The idea of a woman drinking is um, now part of the social norms. You know, she gets with her friends and has a few drinks. So tonight, I just want to talk to you about sustainable ways. And I'm not an expert, right? I Googled and read and researched and I talked to people. And because I'm looking for avenues of self-care that are life-altering, that would get me off the path of ridiculous schedules and not enough sleep, not enough time. I'm looking for that. I'm searching for that. And so I can only share with you what I have found and what I uh, found works and what is practical, right? Because um, a lot of us are working and we have kids. And so um, that already is a demanding schedule. So there isn't time to go to Tuscany, (laughs) And taste the wine. There's no North African trips. There's no South African trips. Um, for most of us, it's day to day. But within our schedules, we have to make time for ourselves. Wolf called it a room of one's own. Um, but we all need a place of being that is free from the demands and the stress of our lives. Some of them self-created, right? But a lot of them inescapable. We have to work, we have to parent. And and we do that with loving sacrifice, but we all seem to have that same loving sacrifice for ourselves. So of course, um, being a lit head, it got me thinking about um, characters who had to discover to put themselves first. And the one that came quite quickly to mind was Celie from The Color Purple. I don't think, and I may be wrong, I'm sure I'll be corrected, there's a more victimized, dehumanized, devalued person than Celie. Her total abject poverty of love after her parent, her mom's death, is um, appalling 
And when you think about the truth of it, that Alice Walker is writing about a relative whose history she is endowing um, and creating fictionally for us, it becomes even more tragic. But how many Seelies are there? Her universal uh, victimization speaks loudly to her time, the time that Walker was writing this, but also to women's peculiar suffering, especially women of color, right? So what's empowering about the book, The Color Purple, is when Celie becomes a person, when she defies Mr defies the community defies even her own self expectations and says I'm worthy of more than this and we have those pivotal scenes where she confronts Mr. who is her preeminent abuser but not the only one her stepchildren are abusers the community is complacent and abusive towards her Um, remember that her children have been snatched away from her and pretty much um, given away to a childless couple um, after she's raped by her stepfather and other acts of cruelty. But it's a moment that Celie, through Shug, or Shug, says no more when she sees her own humanity and femaleness and humanness that Shug is able to to help her see. Sometimes we don't see that we're running on empty until someone says, wow, where's time for you in your schedule? Or aren't you tired? Or here, take a rest. So Shug gives that to Celie. It's really the greatest, most preeminent gift in literature when she helps Celie see that she is innately and inherently valuable. Her cooking skills, the way she nurses her uh, Shug back to health, the way she um, gives Mr.'s children a mother, right? Combs their hair, bathes them gives them a respectable presentation into a community for whom that is valuable. And then Celie finally loving herself and saying, although I'm black and I'm ugly, I'm here and I've got to make this here valuable for me, for herself. And so there's been some criticism of Walker because she um, they say emasculates all the men in her books uh, or in this particular novel I won't go further than that but I think the men especially Mr. need this particular uh, emasculation to be fully human like they have to share some of that male tox- toxicness to be fully human and fully present in the community and so when Mr. helps bring closure to Celie's life. This woman that he's abused for, you know, a lifetime and give her the wish of her children. Ah, I just get tears thinking about it. 
because we all need people like this in our lives, right? Who love us enough to show us how to love ourselves, which is what Suge does. And then if they have wounded and hurt us and trampled us and dehumanized us, say, here is a way that I can bring restitution, right? Because it's not the perfect place to always be in conflict to have unresolved issues. So, top five ways, in essence, to begin to initiate self-love and self-care in our lives. And guys, you can Google this. I always tell uh, my children when they ask me questions that are kind of like like this, go to Google, start there. Um, but as adults and adult listeners, we need to be seekers of our own cures, right? Um, so I encourage you to find ways that are going to work for you. In this list of five, there may not be one that's quite adequate for you. But I insist that you must find something aside from alcohol and toxic positivity and fake happiness to really begin to breathe life into yourself. So the first I like to suggest is creative outlet. Creative outlet. Read, write, go to a museum, go to a play, watch your favorite show again on your streaming services. But have that creative space. And look, I love horror. And I was a partner who doesn't, (laughs) which is terrible. But it being October, we will have to diverge for a moment so that I can get fully into my horror, right? Go back and visit Jason and Michael and Freddie and The Conjuring and Sinister and the classic things like The Thing, Frankenstein. Because that's what brings me joy. The hour and a half to two hours that I'm watching uh, watching um, my horror films, I am giving myself a little dose of fear, a little dose of recovery. Um, you can Google the good benefits of watching horror. How it helps you burn calories. How it helps you face your fears. How it gives you, um, it builds on your inner resiliency. So do something creative. Take time to stroll through a museum. If you can't be there physically, you can often access their displays and galleries online. Spend 30 minutes just looking at paintings and photos and sculptures uh, through your computer, right? So we could do things in a minimal way to maximize our time. If you write, go write. Give yourself 10 minutes. Hold around your journal or um, an idea book. Um, if you read, tote around your books. Today I was going through my New Yorkers, my National Geographics, my Times, my teaching, you know, um, research and theory books, and I was saddened to know that almost all of them had gone unread. Almost all of them had gone unread. A year ago, two years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. I would have read them voraciously as they hit the mailbox. Now, eh, they're choinked. And so I'm encouraging myself to tote them with me. So I take them to school, they're in my purse, they're in the car. So when I'm waiting for my daughter to leave band camp, 
or band practice, I have uh, a book or a magazine to read. And if you write, same thing. You know, find the time. Because those are things that really are going to nourish you way beyond just sitting passively um, and engaging in the most remote way possible with other facets, right? Part two, or the second thing you can do, some sort of physical, purposeful doing. I don't want to say exercise because exercise can be a loaded and triggered word that makes us think three times a week, an hour each time, uh, pre-exercise, after exercise, perfect clothes, perfect shoes. No, I don't want to, I don't want to get into all that. All right. And then there may be a cost associated with it. But look, if you live in an apartment complex, generally you can walk that relatively safely. If you live in um, a subdivision, you can walk that, you can cycle, you can pace your own yard, all right? Maybe at work, you get up from your desk and you move. I know that I have a smart watch and it tells me, hey, it's time to get up. I get up and walk a little bit. Hey, good job. So I get that positive reinforcement, I guess. But I do feel better having done something. When I reach my 6,000 steps for the day, before I go home, I'm elated because it means that everything I do after that is extra for me. So I don't want to tell you what that is for you. I don't want to frame it in any real context, but uh, we know that movement and doing purposefully, building that heart rate, a little bit of sweat, it's good for us, right? It's life-sustaining. So start small, 10 minutes, right? Set your watch, maybe on your lunch, you eat quickly, and then spend the last 10 minutes just walking around uh, the park or walking around the walk space around your job or um, walking the hall before you start teaching, whatever works for you. But doing, being in movement is important, right, for self-love. Because we're recognizing that our health has to sustain us. These bodies, as broken as they get, have to sustain us for our lives. And if we mistreat them, then we will be compounding our stress with sorrow because we'll have physical ailments, right? Third tip for self-love. It's just that, right? Getting your, for women, getting your hair done, nails done, a new outfit, a new shirt. For guys, getting that new pair of shoes, right? New socks, uh, a new jacket, new haircut. Showing the evidence of our care for our, our body and ourselves, right? And I know that because of COVID, we can't get maybe into our normal spots or uh, with customer service being so bad right now, it may be hard, but we ought to try where we can, even if we have to do those things for ourselves. So paint your own toenails, paint your own nails, go to Walmart, go to Target, find a shade, a color that you love and rock it for a week, right? Small gestures to yourself that you're loved. Right? Small gestures to yourself that you're loved. Have that Starbucks coffee. Have that Dunkin' Donuts macchiato. Right? Doesn't have to be every day, but 
But when I have a particularly stressful week, on Friday, me and Duncan, that's a standing date. That's a standing date. And depending on my caloric needs for the day, I may get a small. But if I've been very good to myself in other ways, I may get a medium. Right? So treating ourselves, putting ourselves for that moment as the most important work of art, the most important thing. Number four, spiritual. I didn't say religious, spiritual. A prayer life, a meditation life, a life of thinking and thoughts and prompts that take us outside of our normal everyday. So maybe it's a journal that also has a little prompt to get you thinking. Maybe it's a daily Bible study verse that gets you into prayer. Maybe it's reading um, a philosopher that you really love who gets you to thinking about humanity and your connection with it. Maybe it's just a little bit of study time. Um, maybe you're a secret anthropologist. You're a secret, uh, you know, cellular specialist. <laughs> Whatever you're into that's kind of like your secret thing, giving yourself time and space to meditate on that, right? And to connect you to, to everything, to the universe, to what's happening, they find that people who meditate, pray, have some sort of spiritual life are hardy and resilient, right? Their brain connective tissue is stronger and thicker. These are real scientifically based values for having a spiritual existence because, duh, it takes us away from ourselves. It takes us away from the whole drum of the mediocrity of what being human can be eat, sleep, wake, work, eat, sleep, wake, work. When you pause that, right, and think outside of yourself and to use the Simpson turn, embiggen your world, you're strengthening your brain, you're strengthening your mind, and you're taking care of your heart. So maybe for you it's a Bible study, a church, maybe it's a parent support group, Maybe it's getting on a Zoom or a face-to-face with some friends. I do that periodically with friends from New York. We'll get together, get our wine, and we'll Zoom because, you know, we're not in close proximity. And I feel good after just unloading the stress, hearing about their joys and their sorrows, and being there for them is a powerful uh, medicine for me that is self-care and self-loving. And last, guys, and maybe more important than most of what I said before, is love, right? Love. We love our kids. We love our coworkers, our bosses. We love our jobs. Some of you go to happy, you know, you go to work happy every day. You're whistling as you work. But we also need that intimate love. And I know I said a mouthful. I know many of us are single, right? Or we're trying to find a partner. But I want to encourage you to not give up on that. To not see it as, ah, it'll happen or it's not. Seek it. You have not because you ask not. Ask the universe for what you want. Hold out for it. Don't settle, right? But ask for the love that you deserve. It's out there. There's a guy or a girl who is waiting for you. And when you meet that person, 
the fullness they're going to bring to your life, the endorphins, the serotonin, the touch that you need, right? The intimacy that you need, the friendship that should come with it. It's going to be sustaining. So we ought not to turn our backs on love and be seekers of it. And love hard where you are. Love your friends. Love on your coworkers. Be a smiling face in the sea of anger and transitory angst and disappointment and rage. There's a lot of it out there. A lot of it out there. So we need to offer love and kindness to others. Love and kindness to ourselves. And we need intimate partners who provide that unconditional space to love us and to mend us when we're hurting and to chastise us when we're mean and awful to ourselves. You need a lover who'll say, why are you so hard on yourself? You're beautiful right now. Or you're handsome. You know, so you've got fill in the blank. We all can. But a person in our lives who seeks to sustain us. Guys, the epidemic of loneliness is it's devastating people being found gone because relatives are busy and people forget to keep touch and they intend to call you Tuesday but you died on a Sunday loneliness don't be alone reach out join a group Join a society. Call an old friend. Call a new friend. Make friends, right? Don't think that it's okay to be alone. It's not. So, I guess I encourage all of us to be sealies in our lives. To find a thing that reawakens in us a purpose and a love for ourselves that then allows us to go out into the world and be good actors, right? Powerful good rather than chaotic and neutral evil because we're just, we don't have anything to give. Thank you guys so much for joining me and thank you for your patience as uh, the podcasts have lingered a little bit, but I'm back on track and I thank you and have a good night.